Whether you're an entrepreneur, event planner, political organizer, video producer, cattle farmer, fashion designer, architect, real estate agent, or magazine editor, Airtable can help you create your way. Learn more and get a special offer for the Founders Project listeners at Airtable.com slash Founders Project. Welcome to Inked, the Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, founder of LearnBest, author of the New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with a top founder to share their stories of guts, inspiration, and drive. This week, I have Bobby Brown, founder of Bobby Brown Cosmetics and so much more. In the 80s, Bobby started her career as a professional makeup artist. In 1991, she launched Bobby Brown Essentials with a line of lipsticks and sold her booming business to Estee Lauder just four years later. Bobby is a New York Times bestselling author and has received the Glamour Woman of the Year Award. She was inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame and most recently just opened a hotel called The George. Welcome, Bobby. I'm so excited to have you uh, here today. First of all, you've got to just start from the beginning. Tell us your story. What beginning? What story? Uh, I want to hear how you decided to launch Bobby Brown and where did the idea come from? And, you know, give us your full story. Sure. Well, uh, my full story is I grew up in Chicago, the oldest kid of three, uh, of two parents. There was three of us. And I was never a good student. I, you know, I just... I, I couldn't stand math. I couldn't stand science. I couldn't stand anything. My parents just kind of figured she's going to get married and, you know, that's it. So didn't have an idea what I wanted to do. Went to three different colleges. My third and final college was Emerson College, which allowed me to study makeup. So I went to school, designed my own major. Now they call it entrepreneurship. <laughs> and honestly, I learned everything from Emerson that no one's going to hand it to me. If I want something, I got to get it. Yes. So, Amen. I, yeah, that is the only thing. And there was, you know, I don't, I'm not a rule breaker, but I kind of am a rule maker. So I figured that out at Emerson. I graduated and I waitressed for a year, which I think every human being should do because you learn a lot about life. And then I became a freelance makeup artist. I came to New York. I opened up the Yellow Pages. I looked up all the things that would make sense and I started making calls. I got my first gig, and all of a sudden, seven years later, I got a Vogue cover, and I was a makeup artist. I mean, oh my goodness. And then in 1991, you launched your first lipstick. Yes. Well, I had my first baby in 1990. I fell in love with my husband. We got engaged in three months, moved to the suburbs, which no one did back then, in Montclair, New Jersey, where we still live. And I was really tired of traveling on all these great shoots, you know, in the Bahamas and Europe. It sounds fascinating, but it's really exhausting yep. to do for work. Yep. I was 31 years old and I got pregnant with my first kid. And I just had this idea. Wow, what if I make a lipstick that looks like my lips? I bet people would want to buy them. And I met a chemist and I made a lipstick. And I started selling it to friends and editors and models. And then I realized not everyone loves that lip color that I like. Some like red, some like pink, some like orange. So I made 10 colors. I partnered with the chemist I met. It cost me no money to start this business. I marketed, I sold, I didn't know what marketing was back then, but I sold them. <laughs> I told people about them and I sold them for $15. He got 750, I got 750. Isn't that the way the world works? 
It oh did my, for me. Oh my gosh! I literally, I love you. Are yeah. just such a can-do attitude. Yeah. And you know, I used to put these lipsticks because we didn't have a case in a Manila envelope with a little piece of paper with the ingredients. I didn't know I was green. I didn't know I was indie. All these terms. I'm like, okay, I get it. And we started selling them. And then I had lunch with a friend of mine who was the editor of Glamour. She says, what's going on? How is, how's the baby? And then I told her about this thing. She goes, can I write about it? I'm like, why would you want to write about this? She's like, um, it's called PR. I said, okay. And we started getting you know, a lot of orders. My husband would mail them on his way to law school. Stop it. Oh, I'm not kidding. He this would, is incredible. He would mail them on his way to law school. And um, then we were at a party in New York City and I, nice woman, I said, thanks for inviting us. What do you do? She said, I'm the cosmetics buyer at Bergdorf Goodman. I said, oh, and I pitched her. Let me tell you what I'm doing. And she said, we'll take it. Stop it. I mean, it wasn't that easy. Of course, but, no, but, but she did. She took it. And, you know, there's a whole long story of what happened. Then she didn't take it. Then I called her back, said Sachs wanted it, and she took it. And <laughs> all those things, I never went. I know you graduated Harvard, MBA. I get that. I, I graduated in makeup, so <laughs> different skills. Could you imagine what we could do together? We could do so yeah. much together. Yeah, but um, you know, I kind of figured it out. I oh my gosh, I I literally love how simple you wanted to build it. You started to build it. You started to sell it. Yeah. So then, what happened from there? The lipstick. Yeah. So we launched ten lipsticks on a table at Bergdorf Goodman. I had a six month old at the time. I guess he was six or eight months. And I, we thought we'd sell 100 the first month. We sold 100 the first day. Models, editors came. People were buying all 10. So then we said, oh, why don't we do lip pencils? So then I did lip pencils. And everything was so simple. The colors had names to describe the color. The pencils matched the lipsticks. It was simple. Simple. You yes. kept it simple. Which is, yeah, I called it essentials because it was essential. And then from there, just keep telling us, because you, right. you went from there right. to an empire. Well, I went from there, and during that time, I was commuting. I was living in the suburbs. I was still a working makeup artist. I was doing press, and um, I had a second baby. And then all of a sudden, I guess after four years, we were the number one line at Neiman Marcus, because once you're in Bergdorf, their cousin is Neiman. They're the same family. And uh, I got a phone call one day that Leonard Lauder wanted to meet me. My husband and I had partners. We started the company with Roz and Ken Landis, and it was a very amazing relationship. It was, we did this great thing, but it was very intense. It was really intense. And after four years when Lauder came, it was either I was gonna walk away before that happened, or I just, there was a lot of infighting. And it was, it was tough. So uh, he comes, and then what happens? He comes and invited me to dinner, Roz and myself to dinner. We had dinner on his veranda overlooking Central Park. The New York Philharmonic was playing. <laughs> we had the best wine, and you know, I'll never forget steamed broccoli and grilled fish. Just he did his homework. He knew what I liked to eat. The wine was unbelievable, and. I guess, you know, within that year we sold it. We weren't for sale. We didn't even think about selling it. And what year was that by then? It was 92. The company, I believe, was sold in, wait, no, 94. It was Nin 94. So basically four years after you right. founded it. Yes, yes, which is pretty amazing. I, I mean, no, it's incredible. And, it's like and we never took a series anything. My father asked if we needed money, and we said no. 
we never took investments. We used the last of our, my husband and I, the last nickel we had in our account. Wow, what a good investment you made in yourself. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? And then from there, you basically spent how many more years with the company? I was an employee, a corporate employee for 22 years. And for, I would say, somewhere between 18 and 20 years, it was glorious. You know, certainly 18 years. The last couple years were tough. I mean, we were growing. I mean, when I left, it was a billion dollars. And that's a really big company. And as you, for the two minutes you're interviewing me, I'm really simple. I believe there's a white and there's a black and there might be a beige in there. I am not complicated. Yep. By the way, I love that you're at the point where you're like, I know who I am, and you're like, and you know what I'm not? Complicated. Right. I'm not complicated. I don't like to waste time. I don't like to waste energy. I don't like to waste money. So I want to sh- um, shift to a few yeah. things. So you clearly know so, you do, you know so much about satisfying a customer. What are your few simple beliefs about how do you make your customer happy? Well, first of all, probably the most important thing, and it's not just the customer, it's, it's a human being. How do you make someone happy? You listen to them. You know, you could ask a question to get the answer, but that's how I knew everything back then. There was no Instagram. So I would go in store, I would talk to people, my kids' nannies, you know, my friends, mothers, whoever was around. And that was my, you know, focus group. And you would just listen and I you would, would listen, you, you know. Would edit and you would iterate. Right. And you know, and shift. I'm someone that always thinks things could be better. So I'm someone that likes to look at things and I'm never satisfied. I mean that's being an entrepreneur. I'm very visual and I always think I could do this. I could do I could fix this. I love fixing things. I can attest that you're very visual because I once saw your office and it was, uh, I once came to speak at Bobby yeah. Brown and I, first of all, you guys gave me some makeup and I will tell you, oh my God, it was delightful. Um, but then I saw your office and it was gorgeous and so visual. It was before I had met you and I was like, wow, this is this is somebody who is really knows how to make things look great. Uh, so thank you for oh. making me look great on my uh, tired days. Um, but so you keep it simple. And I really do think in a world that gets more complicated, we forget just how simple business should be. Right. Are your customers happy? Are you creating a great product? Um, what are the big lessons that you learned about business? So if you look back again, you built a company, you sold it four years later, which is a, a feat that most entrepreneurs dream to have, mm-hmm. continue to run it for 20 plus years, what were your biggest two or three lessons and teach anybody in business if you're going to go teach at business school? Well, number one is you have to be an intrapreneur. Like you're working, you have a job, you have a business card, you're a corporate citizen. Be an intrapreneur. Figure out, even though you don't have budgets for this or can't do this, okay, what can you do to make it fun? What can you do to make it interesting? What can you do? So I would do, you know, I had a wellness program for the people that worked for me. You came in during that program to speak. We had no budget for it, but I would just ask people to come in and speak, tell their story. You know, Jeff Ryder from Harry Shave came, all my, you know, my friends out there. It didn't cost anything. Everyone that worked for me felt really great. So, you know, being an entrepreneur, I became a beauty editor on the Today Show when I was at Bobby Brown Cosmetics. I was the editor-in-chief of Yahoo! when I was at Bobby Brown Cosmetics. I started, you know, we didn't have podcasts back then, but I started a website. I started the the first Instagram. So, you know, be an entrepreneur, that's number one. And number two is honestly, you just, you have to be someone that's able to make a change. If things aren't working, press the reset and push back. 
So one of the things that we love is you moved Bobby Brown downtown and saw your business numbers start to improve. Yes. Tell us about that. We were up in the GM building and I used to dress every day for work. Uh, you know, if I was at a shoot, I'd have jeans on, but you couldn't wear jeans in the building. So I'd have to bring a change of clothes. Like everything about my natural being was not myself when I was in the GM building. So one day I realized, okay, I want a cool office. I want to be downtown. I want dogs to come in. I want people to bring lunches and sit around with each other. I wanted a lunchroom where people could just have lunch and talk instead of having these meetings. So, you know, I won some, I lost some. But we moved downtown, people started wearing jeans. We didn't have money to have a manicurist, but I had Rosa come in who everyone was going to see. I turned Rosa into an entrepreneur. We would be in meetings getting our manicures done. Everyone would pay for their own manicure. The company didn't cost the company anything. That's amazing. Right. Oh, oh my, I love the fact that basically your rule is you constantly have to improve, you constantly have to iterate. And, and there's you gotta a, figure it out. And there's an underlying principle here, yeah. which is you have to have really happy employees. You do, of course you do. Well, people always say, how do you hire people? Well, yes, of course, their resume and their, you know, where they came from, but I want to enjoy talking to them. So I want to ask, you are such a people person, and again, if people yeah. who are listening could see you, like, Bobby just, like, makes you feel relaxed. Aww. You feel like you're in the room with a beauty savant, but who's also actually a business savant who pretends she's not, which is even better. One of the things I want to ask is, what are the questions when you interview? Is there one or two questions that you always like to ask because it helps you really feel like you're understanding somebody? Well, I certainly get in trouble for asking the questions I ask. And, and if that's a good <laughs> thing, not being corporate. There's no HR person. You know, the things you're not allowed to ask, I'd love to hear about people. Where are you from? What did your father do when you were young? I always like to ask, are you married? Are you Jewish? Like, are, uh, whatever it is, are you gay? You're not allowed to ask those questions. You know, what I was allowed to ask were questions, you know, just tell me about what you loved about what you did. I like personal. I like personal. I think a person's work ethic and and what they do is a no-brainer. They're probably sitting in the chair because they pass someone else's expertise. But I just want to know that I'm going to enjoy working with this person, that there's someone that will look me in the eye, not be intimidated, push back when they don't believe in something, and not just say yes. I love it. So essentially what you look for is tell me your personal story. Who yeah. are you? Who are you? To your point, you know, all shapes and sizes I'm excited about. Yeah. And I want to hear who are you? Because right. it does tell you. And it's, I just need, I need to understand, you know, which is like why I always look at people's Instagrams before I meet them or hire them, because I want to just understand a little bit about who they are. I love that. So, and I have a podcast, by the way, and it's called Long Story Short. So you could see this would you know, they said, no, no, yeah. I feel like I totally, I'm yeah. like, I, I'm like, Bobby, I know exactly who you are and I absolutely love it. And with that, we'll be right back after this. In the 1990s, an engineer and avid bird watcher named Eiji Nakatsu was fascinated by the way the kingfisher could dive into the water without making a splash. He later designed a new high-speed train for Japan Railway West based on the shape of the kingfisher's beak, which broke world speed records while reducing noise and energy consumption. This creative breakthrough is brought to you by Airtable. Learn more and get a special offer for Founders Project listeners at airtable.com forward slash Founders Project. What are your tips for building relationships with people? And uh, so much clearly about business, I can just tell right. you are such a relationships yeah. person. What is that? Well, it's, you know, first of all, if it's someone that you're working with on a day-to-day -day basis, I really like to give people the open door to come in and tell me what's going on with them. Because 
if you're being a little off and it could be weeks, like I could easily just think you're not into the job. But you know what? If when I get down to it and find out there's been a death in the family or a divorce or a breakup or a medical condition, then I will understand why you're acting a certain way. You know, I mean, I'll come in and I'll say, oh, my God, I'm so exhausted. You know, all I want to do is drink broth for three days. I partied too much. Just get, you know, I for me, I believe that you should just be able to say what's going on. I love, I love it. You're so right in so many ways. Uh, that is not per se the way that people wouldn't come into the it's, office and be like, Bobby, I party too hard and I well, need broth. Well, certainly, no, certainly not. I don't want my assistants to tell me they party too hard and do not post those pictures because that's not right. Because then when you do come in Monday and you're exhausted. I know exactly yeah, why. Yeah, yeah no, I, know, I know why. Yeah. So if you have to go back you think about it right you built a business into a billion dollar business that is no small feat again many 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 people you can read lots of different books and you cannot pull that off right so much of that is you and so much i mean literally your name was on the door uh, your product is you your you, you know you were the driver of the entire business but i also had the infrastructure and the money from sd lauder and yeah. all and things that that i wasn't good at they knew. They like, were really they good were at really it. good at. So for for many of the years it was magic and it was like wow. And I got to experience things that we never I would have never been able to experience without them. And you know, I brought things to the table they would never have been able to experience. You know, I I had a party to celebrate my 20th year in business at the US embassies in China, France and the UK because I friends of mine's uncle was an ambassador and you know, I just always love putting interesting things together. Uh, I love it. So one of my questions for you is, what would you say was the biggest leadership moment? Uh, you know, if you go back, what did you have to get better at through it? What was the thing that you had your own personal growth on right. in, in the rearview mirror? Well, it's really easy. Um, I, <laughs> of course I'm, it <laughs> I, It's really easy. I'm a person that says what I think, and I tell the truth. If you come in and say to me, what do you think of my new haircut? I will tell you the truth if I don't like it. I would say, it's interesting, I'm not used to it yet. Or I would say, oh my God, it's amazing. Like when I say something, it's the truth. So I, you can't always do that when you're in business. Like if someone shows me things they've been working on, I'm like, oh my God, I hate that. I don't mean it meanly, you know? So I had to really learn. I, had to be, I personally had to become a better listener. And, you know, I probably also wasn't good at including everybody and everything. I, I had my my favorites. I had the people that allowed me, my chiefs of staff of the different departments, allowed me to do the things that I wanted to do in my speed and my way. And I wasn't the best corporate citizen. And I didn't like to sit there and listen to, excuse my language, really bad ideas for, <laughs> you know, for a long time. And, and I know that that's not popular in corporations. Yeah, but I, but I think what you're clear about, I mean, it's almost uh, Steve Jobs-like, where you know what you think is good, you know what you think matters, and you're really clear about it. And that doesn't always have to be something you right. apologize for. Um, but to your point, when you're the leader, it's pretty important to make sure you know, you're bringing everybody along and everybody can see the vision of where you need to go. And But so. I also, you know, had to be reminded that I did not own the company anymore. So I had to act a certain way. And that was more towards the end of my of my working there. So one of the things that was so amazing about Bobby Brown is just how, in, I mean, you truly believed in just making women feel beautiful. 
I'd love to get a sense of, you know, how do you feel about the women's movement that we are in right now? I would be loath not to ask you this question, just given that you're such an icon for female uh, beauty and support and empowerment. How do you feel about 2019 being a woman? Oh, I think it's amazing. I feel sorry for the guys, seriously, because it's all about the women's thing. It's a women-owned company. It's a women-led this. It's this. I mean, okay, that's all great. Guys have to learn to be equal with us. There's no question. I mean, even in this day and age, we still have men that come and, you know, they look at you and they they think you're a little girl because you're a, a woman, because you're little, because your hair's in a ponytail, because you're not wearing a briefcase. I don't know what. So I think there has to be a little bit more of equality from the men. Yeah. But I think as, as a woman, I mean, there's nothing more amazing and cool and powerful to be part of this new wave of founders and entrepreneurs, you know, especially women. One of the things I've been saying a lot lately, I realized was that the Women's March cannot be on March. Mm. Um, That March has happened. And to your point, there's no going back. Right. I think it is an incredible time to be a woman in business and getting to like show our whole self, which is so much about the brand that you really built. And it's amazing that you are here how many weeks after your baby? Like eight weeks? (laughs) Like, no, because it's your third child. You are a powerful, capable, amazing woman who has managed somehow to also have a life. And that's the other thing I want people to understand, you know, especially if you're a younger woman listening, you can't, it's not, you can't do it all. I don't know what all is. You know, maybe I don't get blowouts or, you know, my kids were little, I looked a little schleppy, but okay, tough. No one was wearing messy buns back when I was a young mother. You had to look put put together. By the way, I'm wearing a really messy bun. I love messy buns. And I I said to Bobby, I said, Bobby, I'm so sorry. I only half got my makeup on and my hair done today. It's in a messy bun. But you're right. And it's okay. And and I will say that's one of the things I love. Yeah, but Um, the difference is the young girl will, the young 27-year-old will come in with just a lipstick on, little mascara, a messy bun. She doesn't apologize for it. That's who she is. If you feel good and comfortable, don't don't apologize. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So one of the things I want to shift gears, you know so much about the beauty business. If you were to fast forward 10 years or five years, the trends, what do you think the future of the beauty business looks like? Well, I think it's going to be very different. I think that right now there's all these like emerging makeup companies, small makeup companies. In 10 years, there won't be. There'll be some, some of those will turn into big makeup companies. And I, you know, look, I can't say for sure, but I don't necessarily think there's going to be a lot of makeup buying in department stores. I don't, I hope there's department stores. I don't go in any department stores, but I think it's going to be really different. I think there will be, you know, the pop-ups of the world and it'll be a digital world. But I think that there's going to be a lot of clean makeup on the market, both in, you know, hair, skin, face, and I think there'll be more lifestyle brands. When you think about uh, maybe the value system of the future of makeup, what do you think matters? Well, I think that if I understand it correctly, the value system of makeup, is that a financial thing or no? No, I'm Okay, just checking. No, not a financial thing. Okay, fine, because Maria Bartiromo once asked me what I thought of the oil crude situation on live on TV. (laughs) I'm like, is she talking about oil and the foundation? But anyways, but I did answer her without a beat. Yeah. Um, So what I think is that makeup is such an amazing thing because you should wear it to look better. You should wear makeup so you look better. And it gives like it gives you power 
because it make not because you look better, because you feel you look better. Yeah. It's honestly, it's not about what you look like. It's about what you feel you look like. I know for me that if I'm not my healthiest self, if I have, you know, gone a little off, you know, my normal healthy routine of exercising and drinking water and, you know, bringing my own food with me, I don't look as good. And if I'm taking care of myself, I look better, so I don't need that much makeup. And I think there's going to be a melding of health and wellness and beauty. You heard that there, a uh, welding of health, wellness, and beauty. But it's happening already. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it is. It's happening. It is absolutely happening everywhere. So I want to quickly shift gears. I want to uh, discuss the fact that you were in a recession-proof business, right? Makeup, in many ways, is you know it, it's an everyday staple. And you watch the ebbs and flows. If you had to go back, uh, what was the hardest thing that you had to do in business? Like, what was a moment that, like, you'll never forget? You're like, that was a dark day. It was just something was really challenging for you. Well, after 9-11, I mean, certainly 9-11 happened, and you're like, oh, my God, like, does this matter? Like, does this beauty business matter? And, it, you know, I had a, I was in the city that day. I had a terrible emotional reaction to the day, and I couldn't get out of Manhattan to get back to my house and my young kids. And it took, you know, it really took a while. And I was invited to go speak at the uh, the Widows of the World Trade oh a few God. months later. And I was like, of course I said yes. And I went there and I'm like, why am I, why do they want me, number one? And I stood up there and I started to talk and I looked out at all these young women holding their babies who are like, you know, four to six months. And I just like, I like started crying. And someone came up, one of the women came up and gave me a tissue and said, you know, don't worry, it's okay. And I just said, I don't understand why you care about makeup. And they said, any little thing that can make us feel better. And I just realized, yes, makeup is a way to instantly feel better. Instantly. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a powerful story. What was the peak moment? What was your, your like pinch me moment? Oh my God, there was so many, I can't even tell you. I mean, from certainly the parties in the embassies, that was amazing. Bruce Weber did a, a film in my honor, which was wow. really cool. Wow. I got to do Jill Biden's makeup at two inaugurations. I was literally in the motorcade both times, so I could touch them up. And I mean, moments where I like turned to some guy sitting next to me and he's like, hey, who are you? This really sweet looking guy. And I said, oh, I'm a makeup artist. I'm Dr. Biden's makeup artist. I said, who are you? He said, oh, I'm Leanne Panetta, oh the Secretary God. of Defense. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you, Mr. Panetta. You're like, that's lo so, I, lo so and lovely. I, and I was smart enough to grab a picture. I said, can I have a picture with you? And I have a picture of him, the Secretary of Agriculture, whoever else was around. That is so amazing. Um, so I have another question for you, which is, you recently opened a brand new hotel yes. in Claire, New Jersey called The George. Yes. What motivates you to pursue new endeavors? Well, when I left the brand, it was two and a half years ago, and I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. I mean, I had been at, you know, Estee Lauder for 22 years and been in the helm, you know, of this company. So I had no idea. So the first thing I did is I had a book to promote, my ninth book, called Beauty from the Inside Out. So I did that. And at the same time, my husband, who's a developer, said, will you do this hotel with me? I bought this old building. We had never been in the hotel business. I said, okay. So I became the self-appointed creative director and we got along really well because I really knew by that point how to get along with men. Wanna know how do you do it? You just say that's a really good idea. 
<laughs> as often as you can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyways, we're still happily married 30 years. Is, yeah. Wait, but that's so cute. You guys did the hotel together. We did with his team and my team. And we have very different ways of working, very different styles. And literally the furniture in the hotel was from anywhere from home goods to restoration hardware to outlets, by the way. I mean, we had no clue. Every room is a different shape. Totally different. Oh, that's so amazing. every room looks different. And then I did what I do is I did partnerships. I started calling up my favorite brands, Casper and Nespresso and Hello Toothpaste. And I just started doing partnerships, you know, and I'm still doing partnerships and it's really fun. I do the Instagram. And um, oh my god, I'm totally I'm so yeah. excited, everybody! You have to you have uh, to go check it out. Um, it's called the George, and it's in Montclair, New Jersey. I'm gonna definitely come. Yeah. Wait. So, uh, Bobby, as you look to the future, yeah. Well, the other thing that I've had this amazing opportunity is to create a new brand. So I have a brand of ingestible wellness products that are in the beauty space. They're not makeup. They're not skincare. They're what you put in your mouth. So I went back to school and got a degree not from Harvard, but from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. So I am a health coach, which was fascinating. Um, I learned a lot and I had this opportunity to do a line of supplements. We launched it on QVC, then we opened a direct to consumer. And two months ago, we opened at Walmart. So we now are in 1500 Walmarts. They are just put in an order for 3000 Walmarts. We are in the beauty department on end caps. It's like, and it's a, it's their very first beauty inspired. What I'm so smiling about right now is Bobby. You are such a learner. I am. Yeah, you are, I don't you know. You are such an I evolution am. in progress. You I are am. a person. Who's oh, I'm like, not where I'm supposed to be. You, you are like I'm going to go back to school. I'm yeah. going to go do this, and then we're going to just launch this totally different. But thing. my way, because I could not. If you gave me something and said this is how you install that radio, I couldn't do it. But I could watch you and do it. So I've learned that I am brilliant visually. So the entire IIN program is on my iPad, listening to podcasts, watching people speak, and that's the way I learn. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, I know you probably can't tell us too much about what's next, but uh, what could be next for Bobby Brown? Well, I'm really excited. I'm back being a makeup artist. I just went to India and I was the keynote at the first ever India makeup show. I did two cities, got to see the place. And, you know, I love teaching. And so, you know, I will be back in the makeup world at some point. You know, I am now. And I'm just, I love being a makeup artist again. Um, so if you could go back and tell a young entrepreneur, after the vast majority of everything you've learned, if you could pay it forward, what's one or two things you would say to a young entrepreneur starting a business today who's listening? Don't spend a lot of money and go slow. Everybody thinks they need a Series A. Everyone's like, oh, I got a Series this. I got. I'm like, guys, that is not even exciting. Show me what profit you're making. Like, I know it's not about making a profit. I don't get it. I like profit. Like, you sell, you have a profit, you take the profit, you take some so you could pay your rent, and the rest you reinvest in the business. I know it's old-fashioned. I don't get it because I just heard that someone sold, like, a huge company for so much money, He, re the founder retained 7% of it. I, to me, it doesn't make sense. 
I love she goes, I'm old fashioned. I, I like profits. I that do. I just like profits. Such a good yeah. quote. I love it so much. And uh, just so you know, I also like profits. Good. I'm a personal financial planner uh-huh. at my core. I'm like, yeah. there needs to be money left. Yes. Period. Exactly. <laughs> period. End of story. Okay. Last, just quick. This is the quick fire yeah. round. Ready? Um, what gets you out of bed in the morning? My dog, Biggie. Oh, that is so great. What is one startup that we should all know about? Evolution 18. Evolution 18. I love it. And uh, final thing, if you uh, have one free day in life and you can do anything, what would you do during that day? Well, I would be with my family and I would either be in Paris or the Bahamas eating, drinking, having rosé with lunch, having martinis at dinner and doing exercise in between. Oh so it's it's a it's a and I'll be really tall and really young, okay? <laughs> so as long as I have a free range. We don't need to be tall. Oh, yeah. Being little is uh, adorable. Yeah. I am too. How tall are you? Um five three. Oh, that's not little. I'm five foot. Oh, I thought you you seem were the same height in my okay. head. Okay. Um, and we're both tall in my head, <laughs> so don't you worry. Um Bobby, thank you so much for joining uh, us my today. Pleasure. You're like a ray of sunshine uh, and also just like so just on it. It's Aww. so special to get to, Aww. one, uh, spend time with you, but also I cannot wait to see what you do next. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. You can follow Bobby at Just Bobby Brown and join us next week for Inks the Founders Project with Alexa Bontobel. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. You can subscribe to Inks the Founders Project with Alexa Bontobel wherever your podcasts are offered.